the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. And so we want to talk about the essence of what the Bible says regarding belief, especially belief when it comes to Jesus Christ. And what are we to believe about Him? And what's the Scripture teach us related to Him? And what should form the core of our beliefs as Christian believers regarding who Jesus is and how Jesus works in our life? That's the focal point for the next five weeks. And so I don't want you to miss it as we go from now until Easter Sunday morning and really laying out what are we to believe about Jesus. And I said a moment ago, and I'll remind you that through this series, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. Our primary focus during this next season of our church life is the simple Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel. To understand the Gospel of John, you obviously need to understand where it comes in the sequence of time and and what the purpose of that letter is in the New Testament. We know the Gospels to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John, the fourth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are unique in their flavor, unique in the way that they present the story of Jesus. The way I'd like to describe it to you is that each of these writers, inspired by the Holy Spirit, also have distinct personalities, and they have distinct focus points when they're writing. Matthew, as he writes this gospel, he is writing inspired by the Holy Spirit and focusing a lot upon the Jewish nation and Jews and helping them to understand Jesus as the King of the Jews. When Mark is inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's teaching a lot of what Peter has taught him. And so Peter has a lot of the information that Mark is presenting has come through Peter. And and Peter really focuses on the Gentiles and a lot on the Romans because the Roman culture was was really very pervasive during that time and that age. And so Jesus' message needed to be clear to the Romans. Luke was a, a medical doctor. He was a physician. And Luke, as a physician, wants to write a very detailed account of the ministry of Jesus. And so he does so, and his focus is really upon the Gentiles, upon the Greeks, upon those that maybe are outside of the normal realm that would have been exposed to the ministry of Jesus. So all three of these, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels. The word synoptic just simply means to see together. It means that you bring those together. And so you'll find when you do your Bible study that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They tell many of the same stories, just from a little bit of a different angle. I like to describe it this way. It's like taking a picture of a landscape, and you might take one picture from this angle, and then you might go over and take another picture from another angle, and you might do an aerial view of of that landscape, and it's still all the same landscape. You're just looking at the picture from different angles. It's Matthew's angle. It's Matthew's shot, it's Mark's angle, it's Luke's angle. But when you come to John, the gospel of John, it changes. It's a very different kind of gospel. It doesn't start the way the other gospels do. It starts very differently, and the content of the the teachings of John are very, very 
different in many ways, complementary certainly, and certainly not contradictory to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but he gives a different flavor because he has a different purpose in writing. And in fact, we find in the Gospel of John chapter 20, I want you to notice the very reason why John wrote his gospel. And by the way, it's the final gospel. It was written uh, somewhere around 90 AD, and John is a very old man by this time. He's lived through all the other disciples. The apostles are dead by this time. He's the last one of the original apostles that are living at this point in time. He's living most likely in Ephesus. And for many years, perhaps, had been even the bishop at the church at Ephesus there. And he's writing as an old man, having gone through uh, his, his exile to the Isle of Patmos and gone through all kinds of things in his life. And he writes these words as he comes to the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. By the way, there are 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. It's a great exercise to take 21 days and read a chapter of John uh, a day. And in 21 days, you can get, can get through the entire book of John just in 21 days. But when we come to chapter 20, he says, I want you guys to know why I even took the time to write this. I want you to know why I put pen to paper at this old age in my life and and shared these thoughts with you or these inspired words from the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the reason behind it. And here's what he writes in verses 30 and 31 of John chapter 20. He, he, He writes and says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So he's alluding to the fact that there are more stories, there are more things that he didn't have the time to tell. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell many of those stories. And then he makes this statement, but these are written that, or we could add there, so that, this is a key word, that, I'm telling you why I wrote the ones that I wrote. These are written, there are about eight miracles, I believe it is, in the Gospel of John. But these are written that you may, what? What? That you may believe, but not just a general belief, but that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He said, I took the time to write this for you and to lay it out in the way that I had this unique inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and there are a lot of other stories that I could have included, but, but I wrote these, these truths so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. By the way, the Messiah means the promised coming King, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. I want you to understand, John says, that this is the whole reason for the book. If you don't get this, you don't get the reason why I wrote it. I want you to believe. John, through his gospel, as you read it, you'll find out that this word right here, believe, shows up time and time again. The word believe in the gospel of John is found at least 90 times. But it's very interesting how John uses the word believe in his writings. He never uses the word believe or believe as a noun. He always uses it as a verb. Because for John, belief was not just a thing. I have a thing called a belief. No, he says, for me, and I want you to understand that belief is not a a thing. It's not just something that's sort of an object in your life. It's a verb. It's something that results in some kind of 
action. It results in some kind of effect upon your life. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way you live. It changes what you do with your life. And so when John 90 times speaks of the word believing or belief, it's always in the form of something that relates to an action. That is, if we're going to believe in Jesus in the, in the way that the Scripture teaches us to believe in Him, it's going to change your life. Amen? It's not just, yeah, I have a belief and A lot of people in the world will say, well, I have a belief, and it's just a noun to them. It's not a verb that changes the way they think and the way that they believe. And so I want to ask you, ask all of us this weekend as we've gathered together and those online with us as well, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe, do you believe in an action sort of way that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the Son of God, so that by believing these things, you have something real in your life called life? And that word, we'll come back to it later throughout this, is the word Zoe. You'll have a a divine kind of life inside of you. So we're talking about what do you believe? And I want to talk this weekend about confidence that we can have it that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, by my first reason. And my first reason you and I can believe, and John lays out for us in his gospel, is because of the words he spoke. You can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, by the words that he spoke. And I want to share with you three things this weekend that you need to understand about God's Word in your life and how it gives you life and how it changes the way you think and the way that you live. The first one that I want you to note with me this weekend is that words matter. Words make a difference in life, do they not? Now, I mentioned this last weekend. I'll mention it again this weekend for those that are on site. It is okay to say amen through a mask. It's all right, okay? You have permission to do that, okay? Just don't spit on anybody in the process, okay? Just just keep your mask on, but say amen. Words make a difference in life. Someone's words to you can impact you. Somebody can say something to you and and they can hurt your feelings. You ever had your feelings hurt just by what somebody said to you? Or someone can say something to you and they can lift you up and they can strengthen you and they can encourage you. Words really do matter. Your words impact other people and their words impact you. And you and I will never develop confidence in Jesus if we don't have confidence in the words that he spoke. We have to believe that Jesus' words are powerful and Jesus' words are unique. And I will tell you that Jesus' words, no, no word has ever accomplished more than the words that Jesus spoke. No words. They're unique. They're divine. No human being has ever been able to speak the kind of words that Jesus spoke. And we'll lay this out more for us in just a few moments. But I want you to hear what Jesus said about his own words In John chapter 6, verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, what are they? They are spirit and they are life. Jesus says, I want you to, to segment out my words from human words. 
We all understand human words, but I want you now to put my words in a completely different category, and that category is a, is a, is a divine category. It's, it's understanding that when I speak something to you, I'm speaking to you at the deepest places of your being. See, human beings can't change someone in the deepest places of their lives. Only God can. And so what Jesus says is, when I speak to you, I'm speaking to the deepest part of your being. I will be able to address needs in your life that no one else can. And that's such an important thing for us to remember because so often in life we're trying to find somebody to say the thing to us that's going to make us feel better about our lives and heal us and restore us and get us back to where we want to be in life. And so we go around looking for that one relationship or that one person that'll speak those, quote, magic words to us that'll make us feel significant and valuable and loved and all those kind of things. Let me tell you something, that human person doesn't exist, but Jesus can speak to your spirit in a way that no human can. He says, my words are spirit, and they're not only spirit, but they are life. When I speak to you, it's like a breath of fresh air, that when my word comes into you, it is a word that not only touches you in the deepest places of your being, but it makes you come alive in a way that you've never come alive before. So Jesus' words has the, have the power to speak to us deeply and the power to give us life, to touch you at the deepest places of your being. It's very important to remember that Jesus' words matter. His words are different from any human word. They, are, they were not and are not human words. They have unique power. And Jesus' words really matter. Here's the second point I want to share with you this weekend. So words matter, and the Bible teaches us that Jesus is what? The Word. What does that mean? Let's see if we can understand when when we talk about Jesus being the Word. Let me take you to John chapter 1 because this is the way John, uh, actually it's not on here, I believe it's on the screen. Is it on the screen? Okay, on the main screens. There it is. Okay, put it up on the screens here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how John begins his gospel. He says, before I tell you about anything, all these other stories, I want you to know something about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He comes down to verse 14 and said, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice that, that statement, full of grace and truth. So I want you to say it with me. Jesus is the Word. Say it together. Jesus is the Word. Now, the Greek word for word, the two primary Greek words for word, and the Greek word that John used for the word is the word logos. Pronounce that different ways. We get our word logo from it, like a logo of a company, whatever it might be, but it's, 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 it's something that speaks, it communicates. And the word logos, or logos, ever how you want to pronounce it, refers to the living, speaking voice, the utterance, the emphatic word, the expression, the intelligence of someone. And in this case, it's, we're talking about the expression of God. And so when the Scripture says Jesus, when John writes and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God with God, and the Word was God, he's talking about the reality that Jesus is the expression of God himself. And so when God came to earth, he came in the form of Jesus. And that's extremely important for us 
must understand that God loved us so much that he wanted to get his word to us because his word gets to our spirit and gives us life. That's how much he loves you. He wants to get his word into you because he knows what his word will do for you. So he came in human flesh in the form of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the very son of God, and he was the word in our very midst. And the scripture says very clearly to us that this word came to give us, to teach us, I want you to say these two words for me, grace and truth. So the word is designed to speak a message of grace to us and a message of truth to us. I can get really excited about this. I hope you're excited as well. Okay. Because when Jesus came, he came with a message no one had ever heard before. And no one's been able to preach since, except when we preach the gospel of Jesus. He came to tell us that God's not mad at us. Did you hear that? He came to tell you God's not mad at you. Because all through the Old Testament, they had this image of God that he was going to somehow uh, be, be punitive toward them. And in fact, there was certainly wrath associated with God in the Old Testament, trying to get people's attention and those kinds of things. There's a righteous indignation and anger that God certainly has. But Jesus came and said, I want you to know I'm coming as the word and the first word I want you to hear coming from heaven, okay? The first message that I want you to get coming from heaven. I'm down here on earth as the word, as the expression of God, and the first thing he wants to say to you is grace. My goodness, I want to shout. The first thing he wants to say to you is grace. What does grace mean? Grace means that you're forgiven. Grace means that you can be accepted in the family. Grace means that you can be saved. Grace means that you can be redeemed. Grace means that you can be restored. Grace means that God is able and desires to receive you in fellowship with him because of what Jesus did. So he comes and says, I want to speak the first thing I want to say. I'm full of when I speak. Anytime I speak, what's flowing out of me is first and foremost. It's grace. It's grace. I want you to know that, that I'm not mad at you. I want you to come and have relationship with me. The second thing that's given there is not only grace, but what else? And what do you know about truth? What does the scripture say? What did Jesus say? You will know the truth. And what will the truth do? It'll set you free. So everything, listen closely. This is very important theology for you and also in your practice as a believer. Is to understand that everything Jesus will ever say to you, will ever say to you, will always be for the purpose of communicating what? Grace that makes you feel loved and accepted and truth that will set you free. Every message of Jesus that he will ever speak in your life is designed for those two objectives because he came as the word full of grace and full of truth. So words matter and Jesus is God's word in the flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Let's go to the third point together. If you can see that, why don't you read it together with me? Jesus' words have supernatural power. It's not uncommon for us to refer to someone's words as being powerful. You might hear a speech and say, well, that was a powerful speech or that was a powerful statement that person made. And so we we tend to acknowledge that words are, are, are powerful, impactful. 
And human words do have a certain degree of power associated with them. But Jesus' words don't just have a certain level of what I would call natural power associated with them. But Jesus' words have another degree of power, and that is supernatural. That is beyond what could happen with a natural word. It is supernatural. It's immeasurable beyond the power of human words. John chapter 6, verse 63, we read it a moment ago, and let me give it, uh, remind you of it again. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They're supernatural. I want to just backtrack for a moment. I'm just doing a little teaching with you now. Everybody okay? okay? Got it? You got to remember these things. Anything Jesus ever speaks into your life is for the purpose of communicating what? Grace and what else? Truth. Everything Jesus will ever say to you is designed to help you feel loved and accepted and brought into the family and connected with God and to help you be set free. God is not against you. God is for you. God is not mad at you. God loves you. God is not trying to get away from you. God is trying to get to you. Okay. God is not running from you. God is running to you. So many stories. The prodigal son, when he finds out that he needs to go back home to the father, when he comes back, his father runs to him and meets him. Okay. So all that Jesus will ever speak to you, the supernatural words of Jesus are designed to get way down into your spirit and give you an understanding of what? Why is this important? Because many of us way down in our hearts we don't feel loved. Way down in our hearts, we don't feel grace. Way down in our hearts, we feel sometimes condemned and ashamed and insecure and all kind of things. We can just fill in the blank of all kind of negative thoughts. Have you ever listened to yourself talk to yourself before? You ever had that happen? You ever found yourself beating yourself up by your words? All the time, don't we? And so Jesus says, my words are spirit and they're life. What are my words? My words are always grace and truth, so I want to get that down deeply inside of you, and, res- and that will result in some supernatural effects in your life. You and I don't know where to go. When it comes to life, has anybody got your life perfectly figured out? I don't know a single person in this room or watching online that you've got your life completely figured out, and if, you, if you're like me, I need a guide. How about you? I need someone that's going to help me get where I need to be because many times I don't even know where I need to be in life. So I need a guide. I need words that will guide me in my journey. I'm going to take you to John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. Listen to how Jesus speaks and the guidance that it brings. The next day John was there. This is John the Baptist was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And so back up to the story. Here's John the Baptist. Two of his disciples are there. Jesus comes along and John says, there's a son of God that takes away the sins of the world. And now these two disciples start following Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says, come, he replied, and you will see. So here is a word. What was the word? Come. One word. Come and you will see. Okay. That is 
Get off the path you're on right now and let me now be your leader. Okay? Get off the path that you've decided for your life and now let me be your leader. Come and follow me. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus guide, okay? The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so what I want you to see here is that in this story, there's this encounter that Jesus has with, certainly with Peter and with two other disciples, and it provides guidance for their life. Deep down in your spirit, you need to know that God's word in your life is valuable because it's going to get you where you need to be and define who you need to be in life. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.